Welcome to Halo Drop. I'm your host, Vishal Gurbukshani. I'm joined by Snil Verma and Krishna Subramanian. We're going to talk about what makes things exciting in India and how we can bring that in cross-border to America. We are back. We got Krishna and Sunil. What have you been thinking about? As I think about this year in the work from home life, there's definitely been, you know, pluses and minuses, right? You you either embrace it or you run up against it and you're, you're sort of banging your head on the wall. I sort of look at it in a few different ways. And typically, um, I think the general sentiment is, hey, productivity is up across the board. And uh, people that are, let's say, tech companies, um, it's easy for people to work from home. You, you know, you, you can sort of just be more productive because you're not traveling, you're not taking all these breaks. And, uh, you know, if you're doing well, then that productivity is translating into to more revenue um, and things of that sort. But what's been interesting is as you're going through this and you're spending more and more time, more and more time in the same environment where, you know, you're working longer hours, so you potentially are providing more output. Uh, there's less social distractions because the, the entire country is in some sort of a lockdown phase. So there's less people traveling and going on vacation, including yourself. There's, you know, less social activities on a day-to-day basis where you're actually leaving your house. So as that productivity increases, the time and output increases on a day-to-day basis, you know, what happens when we move into the next phase and people do start to have more of this social opportunity to, to go out, to travel. We're already seeing, you know, restaurants in San Francisco open up uh, with some indoor dining. We're seeing people hop on a plane and travel to Tulum or wherever it might be. So this sort of trend that I feel is happening is people, because of the, the demand and let's say because of the, the work output that's increasing, <clears throat> they have less time to do other things. And so there's this potential of burnout that happens. And so the first thing that people will start to reach for is how do I avoid that? And if all of a sudden things start opening up and people fly out to go out into those social activities and, and travel and, and the work from home policy stays in place, how does that affect productivity? And, you know, something that I've been thinking about and I don't know, I'd love to see what you guys think. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. I think productivity is an interesting thing. I think when for me, I, I've been kind of feeling it, it, been, it ends up being like ebbs and flows where I think sometimes you feel like you're in a flow state where it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like you could totally do this for a long time. And then there's other situations where it definitely is helpful when you're just kind of around the same space, just from like a creativity perspective. I think, I think if you're doing something very operational, basically something that is cookie cutter, I think you can do that from anywhere. And I think we've seen that. But I think when you're thinking about how do you be creative when it requires people to just bounce off each other's energy and use a whiteboard and stuff like that. I think it's just really, I've not seen that replicated yet. Um, I think that's what makes it hard for productivity. Um, I think the other thing also from a productivity perspective, I think the larger companies that can do it or claim they're doing it, they have so much extra HR staff that are just focused on how do I make sure everyone else is product as productive as before. Whereas like if you're a startup, I think that staff is not there. So like when you're working from home, you don't have all the other amenities that the larger companies do. So I think the new cycle is not, is doing a disservice right now by kind of saying, oh my God, all these companies are working from home. Then you see like Coinbase working from like Twitter's working from home, but like startups don't have all of those luxuries. So I think it's, 
I think there's two things. One is like, how do you, how do you do creative working from home? Like, how do you stay, how do you become creative? That's hard. And, and then the second question is, um, startups that are kind of following that new cycle, which a lot of startups are, I think it, they're just getting misguided in terms of what they should be doing. I think one thing that folks don't, don't recognize is in sort of the Asian cultures and Asian countries, a six day work week is fairly regular in India. Most folks actually work, um, you know, six days a week and, uh, maybe every other, you know, Saturday they get off in China, you have the idea of nine, nine, six, which is you work from 9am to 9pm, six days a week. That is something that a lot of people talk about partially marketing, partially true. Um, I think in Japan, the idea of the salary man, salary person, how they are expected to sort of be in the office, you know, seats and butts, uh, butts and seats, and uh, making sure that they are productive to some degree. Now, how much of that is, you know, really productive time versus working off the hangovers? You know, I think that's sort of for for everyone to decide. But to some degree, I feel like the West is now starting to kind of feel that pressure, the pressure of, hey, are you always on? Are you always, what is it that you are expected to produce? And how do you actually take and, and utilize your time? I think there's folks that are experiencing burnout, but I think the ones that have scheduled themselves into a better productivity state are getting a lot more out of this, right? You don't have the two-hour commute anymore. You don't have to go to different appointments. There's no longer this urge to go out and, and run around to different events. I think when when we're thinking about the folks that are, you know, being in air quotes, productive, you know, higher quality work product output, or maybe it's just more volume. But those are the folks that have, um, you know, structures their day or are trying to get through a task list. You know, I think one of the things that Krishna brings up is how do you bring up the, um, how do you manage camaraderie? How do you do it over distance, uh, over Zoom, over telephone? And I think one of the, you know, really interesting things, if you think about the, you know, Indian diaspora and a lot of the work that Indian companies have done, they sort of have have that mastered, right? They're remote. They've been remote. Um, they know how to, you know, work with so many different, so many different folks, how to communicate with them. But it's ultimately, I think as remote work continues to spread globally, how do individuals think about growth at a different company? So it's I, I think it's not just productivity, but it's also recognition as well as how do you um, how do you bring growth to your role? But I, I guess, you know, how, how do you manage that from creativity, right? Because I think, uh, you know, you mentioned India and I feel that, sure, they have it dialed in and I think it depends on the industry. Right? So if you look at services, which is a lot of what uh, a lot of the Indian companies are doing, they are kind of, you compare the services industry they're doing, I, I'm almost certain that a lot of them are putting up with that compartmentalized approach because there's nothing better. So, but I guess when you put that same structure then in a place like America, which I think is structured a bit differently, there's a lot of people are just kind of comparing things to. So I guess how much of it matters in terms of your environment? And I guess maybe there's another way of I mean, thinking about it is, does efficiencies and operations, it, it seems like it's very cultural, right? And then also on top of that, how do you do creativity remote? Well, well I, I mean, I think that there's two things, right? I think, you know, when we're talking about India, we're not talking about the number of hours people are putting in per day, right? You know, or the days of the week, because I, I think this is something that's completely a little different because you're also 
sitting at home putting in those hours, right? You're not interacting with other people or going to that office. So the extra two hours that you have from a commute time, now you are probably spending time working. And so, you know, you are putting in those long hours, but I feel like there's the burnout is going to happen here. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that was really enlightening for me is I have a friend who's at uh, one of the large social networks out here. um, And she mentioned she was taking PTO for for a couple of days. And and I was like, oh, that's great. You know, are you doing anything fun? And she's like, no, you know, I'm just clearing out my calendar and canceling all my meetings so that I could actually spend time doing work for the next two to three days. And if that's at a large social network, you know, that probably has a lot of these extra benefits and added benefits. It's sort of insane, right? So is this remote culture turning into a culture of just back-to-back meetings and figuring out how to foster that creativity, accountability, or collaboration? Um, and, and are these meetings just taking a placeholder for those those things, right, around collaboration and creativity and accountability? Because it's it's one thing... You know, if it's if it's like it's a smaller startup and you're you're wearing multiple hats and you're trying to to go out and do things until you get more resources, but it's completely like mind blowing when you hear that happening at at large companies and and uh, I've heard it happening over and over again. Great. Now we're going to cover the company section of today's show. We went to this website that Sunil loves called Disfold. Dot com and they have the top 30 Indian startups. So Krishna, which one is your favorite of the 30? There's a startup called Burp. <laughs> Why don't you give our listeners a little a little uh, background on on Burp and your involvement in that? Back in back in college, went to India for the first time with a group of friends from from college, and, uh, and this is the first time I tra- we essentially traveled around India. Uh, this is the first time I traveled around India. Usually, I'm always going to Chennai in the south, where, where my family's from. And this time, we went to you know Bombay and, and Delhi and Udaipur and things of that sort. And we, it, it became very hard to figure out where are the places we go, right? What restaurants should we go to? What bars should we go to? What hotels? Um, things of that sort. So keep in mind, this is this is ages ago, back in what 2000, early 2000s. And so during that time, we we came back to to the U.S. and you know we're trying to figure out well, what are some exciting opportunities in in India that we could tap into? Some of the ideas that we threw around was building a travel aggregator site, like a kayak for India. This is way before Clear Trip and Make My Trip and you know all of those things. And then another one we realized that might be a little more intensive as we were wrapping up uh, college. But then we decided, oh, what about India's answer to Yelp? And we called it Burp and, you know, sort of started that with three other guys. And um, a couple guys ended up moving to uh, Bombay and continued building it out and took it down its uh, took it down its journey in, in India. So, yeah, w- with that, you know, one of the companies that we all know, you know, very dearly is uh, is its original name was Mcoach. So one of our, our good friends, Naveen Tiwari, launched Mcoach back in, um, I feel like it was probably early 2000s as well. And, you know, later changed the name to, to Inmobi. Um, it's pretty interesting. I feel like we're all connected to Naveen in, in different ways and came across him in different ways. And uh, Inmobi was a customer of ours. Um, they were an ad network that was on our platform at MobClicks during our, our mobile ad exchange days. But it's been really exciting to see 
in Moby and the sort of the path that they've taken, uh, where they've evolved from just a mobile advertising company into this massive conglomerate that does everything from mobile marketing, you know, to having their own DSP, having their own third-party data, data layer. But uh, one of the pretty exciting things that they also did is earlier this year, they uh, invested in a company or they could potentially own the majority of it. Um, it's called Glance. Um, and this essentially serves uh, media content. So like TV shows, uh, movies, ads, uh, news, games um, on the lock screen of Android phones. Um, and earlier this year, it had over 100 million daily active users on, on that platform itself. And then fast forward as as things have gone up, another area that's been pretty interesting is they acquired a company called Roposo, which is maybe it is uh, similar to TikTok in some ways, and you know, sort of India's answer to, to TikTok, but something that that is uh, you know an awesome team, and it's been it's been great to to see them grow and evolve from just this mobile advertising company or mobile messaging company back in the day, all the way down to this uh, media conglomerate today what do you think what do you think is next for um in Mobi this year like do you think they're they put a lot of focus on that glance kind of company or or where do you feel kind of it's headed one of the advantages that uh, a lot of these countries have especially like india right you realize there's tiktok doesn't exist in india it's currently banned um and so is there you know that opportunity to create what quibi could have been you know i, I think the mobile platform and mindset and the, you know, I, I feel like they're touching over a billion users is what they said, or a billion devices. They're sort of poised to potentially becoming the what Quibi was always dreamed to be. Krishna, what's, what is your tip? Because last time it was the everything bagel without the bagel. So this is, this is a company for, that would be useful for anyone that runs a SaaS company. Um, so uh, the name of the company is called Pipe. They launched um, maybe earlier this year or so, um, and they essentially are providing a new asset class for investors. And then from a, a customer standpoint, what they will do is they'll take your SaaS contracts. Um, so if you're getting paid on a monthly basis, they will basically take that and upfront the entire contract to you um, so that you, you get that full contract value at no additional cost. They are putting it on their marketplace or I guess on their pipe and selling it to um, investors on the other side. But it's a great way to raise money for a SaaS-based company without having to deal with debt or dilution. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Sunil, what is your tip? My uh, tip for uh, this week's episode is a book by Ronnie Screwwalla. It is called A Dream With Your Eyes Open. For those of you that know who Ronnie Scurola is, seasoned entrepreneur, founder of YouTube TV, which has been one of the most instrumental media companies. Let's call them like new age media companies uh, for the last, um, you know, sort of two decades and really sort of brought India into and that in the, in the India medium, uh, you know, really into the 20th century. And I think what's exciting about the book is it really shows you the founding of UTV, the trials and tribulations, but also the uh, learnings from you know having to run such a dynamic organization, going up against you know large incumbents. And I you know highly recommend it. I think it's something that you know folks can definitely uh, take away uh, really quick things from. I do recommend skimming it 
uh, quickly, uh, but you will get uh, some good takeaways. Uh, one of the cool things is at the end of each chapter, they have a bullet point sort of takeaway that uh, that you can use. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Krishna. So, you know, you, uh, you, you were definitely on, on the wavelength, same wavelength for books. Um, so I, I should just finish this book called Billion Dollar Loser. Highly recommended. It. It's uh, the story of WeWork. It's one of those books where it's like, you don't want to put it down because you're just like, I cannot believe the, uh, you, you just cannot believe the extreme lengths that the founder went through to A, get that much value, that much money, that much valuation. And then the second is like the amount of ridiculousness that he was able to do at the company, like from corporate retreats to like, I mean, I don't want to ruin it, but it's, it is definitely worthwhile reading. I mean, the, 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 the scary part of it is it's true, uh, but you read it more as an, as a nonfiction, sorry, as a fiction entertainment novel, but it's, but it's all true. And, and it's just, it just shows you kind of the, the, the level of bubbles that we all live in, but uh, definitely read it. It's, it's very, it's a worthwhile read. It's Wednesday. I think you guys can get it, get it done by, by the weekend. Hey, it's Krishna. Thanks for listening to Halo Drop. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone that you think would also enjoy it. For more information, visit our website at halodrop.fm.